Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head to Old Trafford on Sunday to face Manchester United. But before we look ahead to that game, as always with John Gibson, we look at the game that Newcastle have just played to find out what it might tell us about the Magpies' next game. And it's another win for Newcastle United, John. 5-1 against Brentford. And we'll start where most people probably felt I would start. And another goal for Miguel Almiron. Yeah, well, when when you've got a goalkeeper that gets an assist, is credited with the assist, it's rather wonderful. No, that's that's meant flip. Uh, Miggy did ever, ever so well. Uh, n- not on the goal. I don't mean just on the goal. I mean his performance over the full match. As so many did, it was a funny game because there was times when you thought Newcastle might be just showing signs of struggling, like at 2-1 when they got the penalty back and then we'll run away from them. Um, we've hit nine goals in two games. I mean, I keep pinching myself. This was a side that couldn't, outside of the Manchester City game, couldn't score goals. And now all of a sudden they've got a glut of them. Mind, I love the sort of opposition we've played in the last two games because Fulham conveniently get a man sent off in about eight minutes and oh, a disaster and um, Brentford come bearing gifts some of their defensive display reminded me of Newcastle when Steve Bruce used to be in charge of them defence saying you have the ball see if you can score and of course we did uh, but it was terrific and the plus performances uh, Miggy was terrific Bruno's just sensational but what's new I mean, you know, we've only got something to talk about when he does when he plays averagely, because he doesn't play averagely. What was refreshing was that Newcastle weren't at their best. They were sloppy no, I at don't, times. I don't think they were, Andrew. That's the point I was making. Mm. I didn't think they were at their best. They helped us, and Fulham helped us. How much will Manchester United help us? I was us? just about to ask that uh, question. It's a different kettle of fish. Though they're not the Manchester United of all. But it's strange you say that, and I'm, there will be a view from the Opposition podcast with one of the MEN writers coming out on, on Friday morning, and I'll ask him this question, but I'll ask you as well, John. Looking from the outside in, someone who doesn't follow Manchester hmm. United, it looks like there's a bit of trouble there, looks like it's not all rosy, but actually their form's quite good. You know, they're, they're, They've won five of the last six, so they're, they're, they're clearly not in a bad place, but... I guess they were in a bad place when they went to Manchester City, and of yes. course that's what colours everything because that's their derby, and uh, they got done six, and it could have been ten. But the message seemingly coming out of the Newcastle United camp this week so far is that they go to Old Trafford without any fear. Oh, so they should. They've they've only lost one and nine. Uh, we have Bruno in absolute top form. We've got Callum Wilson back. I didn't think he played well against Brentford, but he's back and he plays centre-forward in the proper way that a centre-forward should play. So that's a huge advantage. We've got Bruno, we've got Wilson, we've got Miggy playing the best form he's had since he's come here. We've waited four years for it. Uh, and there it is. And it looks good. And um, Trippier and Botman are just class acts. That's all we need to say about them. Uh, and we've got Maxie and Joe Linton ready now, having both got on the park last time out, ready to come and join from the start uh, when Eddie wants them. So things are looking up hugely. And that's just as well, because we've got three matches coming up in eight days. Mm. And, and he'll want to spread the load there. You mentioned there how well Bruno played. 
Callum Wilson back. We had Alan's at maximum coming back off the bench. And again, looking at Manchester United, the focus always seems to be on Ronaldo. You know, if he doesn't start, the yeah. attention's on, why isn't he starting? How can you disrespect a legend like him? He then goes and scores his 700th you know, goal uh, earlier in the week. Whereas at Newcastle, you have got good players, but you haven't got a player who is bigger than the club and seemingly always stealing no. the headlines and not necessarily for the right reasons either. No, not, we haven't got anybody who's bigger in the club, but we've got somebody as big as Ronaldo now. Because, by the way, let me say, I'm a Ronaldo fan. Not the Ronaldo of today, the Ronaldo of yesterday. He has been one of the world's greatest players ever. He's 37 years old, for goodness sake, and he's scored his 700th uh, club goal. Uh, I'm a great fan of his. But like everybody, he's past his sell-by date. That happens to all. The cannot hold back for the time. He's not the player that was. We have players that aren't bigger than the club, and Ronaldo is, or he believes he is. That's for certain. But we've got players we can't do without. Our dip in form that went from winning games to drawing games was because we didn't have Bruno and because we didn't have Callum Wilson. We've got people that are hugely important to this club. And the only reason I've been optimist at uh, Fulham and Brentford and when we go to Manchester United is we've got Bruno and Wilson. Take one of them out of the, out of the current Newcastle side, take them both out and we're a different side, man. Mm. That's a scary thought. You mentioned there Wilson didn't have his best of games. He didn't. But I mentioned this in Monday's episode. There was a couple of times he went down and even though he hadn't had his best of games, you're still sitting there with your, your head in your hands thinking, please get back up or please don't, you know, I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning with a headline, Wilson out for a couple of months because even though he wasn't at his best, you still know Newcastle haven't got anyone better in that position. Oh, they haven't got anybody at all in that position. They play centre-forward in the way he plays centre-forward. He is absolutely essential to the cause. So is Bruno. And you know the fabulous thing with Bruno? He's three midfield players holding the one. He's the best defensive shield we've got to put in front of the back four, playing as the deep-lying midfielder. He's the best sitting in the middle and he's the best attacking midfielder to go on and score goals. So he's three into one. The only difficulty we have is which one of, what do we do with the other positions once we've filled his. Um, but he's wonderful. Keep him happy. He's loving it at the moment. He's loving the crowd. He's loving the adulation. Everything's hunky-dory. Uh, he's inevitably, because he's going to go on playing like this, because when you've got that sort of talent, you'll have a dip, you'll have a poor game. Everybody does, but he'll then come back again. We've got to make certain we keep him happy and we keep progressing because he's got to stay in this club. If he left the club, it would be such a backward step, it would be untrue. And I have no thoughts whatsoever that he's about to do that. And just sticking on Bruno, when he signed... A lot of the attention was on another Brazilian who would come back to the, or would come to the Premier League. He, this Brazilian made a return to the Premier League, and that was Philip Coutinho. Yep. Comparisons were drawn, but everyone was, you know, what a bargain Aston Villa signed. Coutinho's yep. come back, and he started quite well. Yeah. But you look at this season, and he's not even he's in the, the same in, league as Bruno. He's an invisible man. He, he looked. And by the way, the other thing was that he was going to be inspired by his old mate Stephen Gerrard, uh, who, you know, the two of them at Liverpool. He's, he's the invisible man. He's not looking any... Now, is that because his, his old mate's not as good a manager as he thinks he is, or is it because his best days are behind him? But, I mean, he, he, 
he wouldn't get in against Joe Willock at Newcastle. Uh, in, that's a compliment to Willock uh, and an insult to Coutinho, not the other way around. Um, but no, he, he, you're quite right. But there, but there again, we had all. If you go back to the comparisons, Coutinho and we got Bruno, we got Eddie Howe, and they got uh, Steven Gerrard. Do you think, and we're just getting away from the Manchester United game for for a moment, the fact that Bruno came in and Newcastle, you know, when you talk to people about him in January, you know, you had to go and ask the question. Whereas Coutinho came in and everyone was was shouting the answers out. You know, he's oh, brilliant. Yes, Eddie Howe, Stephen Gerrard, it was very much similar. You know, Stephen Gerrard worked wonders and Rangers. Yeah, this is a great big, appointment. The big name person and yes. the lesser. Do you think that benefited Newcastle in the way because it's allowed Eddie Howe and it's allowed Bruno just to go about and Newcastle just to go about their business in a way where, of course, you're on Tyneside, you care, but everywhere else. You know, wasn't really yeah, grabbing the yeah, headlines. Yeah, yeah, you can look at it that way, and I think it does help. Uh, but you also got to say, well done, Newcastle. They could have took Gerard, and they didn't. They took Howe. Plus, for Howe, minus for Gerard. They could have tried to compete for Coutinho. Who would heard of Bruno in this country? Well, the scouts ought to have done. That's their job. But, you know, he come here with a reputation. Oh, he's quite decent player. And by the way, he's in the, the Brazil squad, not the team at the time. But Newcastle went for Bruno and Newcastle went for Howe. Tick, tick. Well done, well done. It's going to be interesting that, you know, obviously it's about three weeks away, isn't it? The Newcastle-Aston Villa game, last yep. game of October. We could be talking, sitting here, as we do our match preview for that game, saying... Aston Villa are in, uh, look, looking for a new manager or Steven Gerrard needs to win this game to, to remain in charge because oh. there was a lot of unrest on social media no from the Villa question. camp. I watched them play Nottingham Forest this week and honestly it was like watching paint dry. One side can't and the other one won't. Um, Nottingham Forest can't because they don't know which 11 to get off the bus from the 23 the boat. And Aston Villa have got players who are better than their league position and better than Ola Watkins and uh, McGinn and, uh, and better than their current performances. You've got to look at the manager in that. Gerard was one of the England's magnificent midfielders. He still got to prove it as manager. When he was at Rangers, he was in a two-horse race. So you're going to finish second top and then he, he eventually finished top well done him I'm not having a go at him but he, he has got a lot to prove as a, as a manager without he was supposed to be the next to take over from Klopp if Klopp went tomorrow because he had a fit a peak because of the way Liverpool are playing do you think Liverpool rushed down the road to get Stephen Gerrard probably probably not and, and Newcastle fans will be sitting here saying why are you concentrating on Gerrard what's the point what's this got to do with Newcastle well the, the point being is that from my point of view how nice is it to be sitting here talk, and we can talk about Eddie Howe and we're not talking about unrest we're not talking about how bad it's gone we're talking about a manager who's got his feet on the ground who's working hard and, and what, it's just clicking it's all clicking yeah. and what we're doing we're talking really about Eddie Howe and comparing him to a man that Newcastle United might well have taken instead of Eddie Howe. So we're, we're talking up Eddie Howe, if you like, as much as talking down Stephen Gerrard. And um, isn't it wonderful to be doing it? Mm. It's going to be one to watch. Certainly going to be interesting to see how our match preview for that Villa game sounds. Um, back to Newcastle versus Brentford then. As yeah. we said, 5-1. We've talked about Bruno Growing the, the two goals, you know, Kieran Trippier had an absolute stormer, I thought. Uh, we've mentioned how Cal Wilson didn't quite 
get off the ground. I suppose the big question looking ahead to, to Manchester United is who starts at left back. Is it Matt Target or is it Dan Byrne? For me, Dan Byrne didn't have his best game. Probably had his worst game, I think, in a black and white shirt against Brentford. I think he did, and I wrote that uh, on Monday in the Chronicle and online when I did my report of the game. I'm a big fan of Byrne. He's a jolly man. He's as big as Grey's Monument. He's got a heart the size of a frying pan, etc., etc. But he is a left-sided central defender. He can get away with left-back on occasions, like the match before that, depending on the opposition. Here, he looked like Jack Charlton playing at left-back. He looked tall, all knobbly legs and legs. Uh, he, he wasn't smooth on the overlap. His passing was poor. He gave away a penalty with an unnatural jump, arm-wise. Uh, and I didn't think it was his best game. And I wouldn't... We can only talk about what we would do. We can't second-guess what Eddie Howe will do because you never know with Eddie. Eddie stayed with an unchanged team because they won 4-1, so you could theoretically say, I haven't won 5-1, he'll stick with an unchanged team again. But will he, when you look at what's on his bench, yeah. where he's got... And by the way, I don't think he would, but I, I certainly wouldn't. I will play target for uh, Burn. I would play Joe Linton for Sean Longstaff, who I didn't think had one of his better games. And um, it would then be a flip of the coin between Murphy and Al Moron and uh, sorry, Murphy and Sam Maximum. And I would probably give it to Sam Maximum. Although if you want to bring him off the bench, depending on how sharp he is in training for Murphy later on, I would accept that. But if pushed, I would start with him. Well, as well. I think that's the interesting point because I think with, Dan Byrne and Matt Target, you look at that and you say, well, Dan Byrne didn't have his best of games. He was slow. He was caught out. For me, you put Matt Target in, you know, you put Matt Target in. When it comes to whether it's at Maxim or Jacob Murphy, there's no You'd doubt. You'd put in, Joe Linton in ahead of Longstaff. I, I would put Joe Linton yeah. in instead of Longstaff. I thought Longstaff was the other one that didn't quite hit the highs no, he didn't. against he Brentford. Didn't. But with Murphy and St. Maxman, you know, you'd be dropping a player who hasn't done anything wrong he scored he, you know he's played well in the last two games and he's full of confidence and I think actually I would start Murphy and then you have St Maxman you know who, who will want to start and he might feel a little bit hard done by that he's not he'll be wanting to prove a point he'll come off that bench he'll I be mean, full I, of energy I, I think I was saying what I would do which is start with uh, St Maxman but I don't think it's what Eddie Howe will do but I wouldn't try to second guess him because it's ridiculous we're also playing three games in eight days we're starting with Man U, Everton at home and um, Spurs away. So you'll want to spread the load. And it may well be that Murphy haven't scored. And by the way, I would have scored that one when Wilson squared it to him. It, 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 you don't miss those ones. Uh, unless you're Ronaldo in the previous game. Remember him right in front of the goal and he hit the post? Um, but yes, you would probably say Murphy scored with well, 1-5-1, leave him and bring in... Obviously, some maximum would get on again at Old Trafford at some stage to get some more miles in his legs and then unleash him from the start against Everton to try to influence a result at home. Um, so it would it will probably go that way. But I would certainly start with Target. I would certainly start with Joe Linton. And I would be happy either way with uh, Murphy and St. Maximum. I think that's probably the best plan for St. Maximum. You know, if Newcastle need him against Manchester United, you can bring him on with an hour or so to go. And then have him, you know, fit and raring to go against Everton, where he'd probably have more success, you would think, 
Um, Joe Linton, though, coming off the bench, as I've said in previous episodes, he's been Newcastle's most consistent performer for me this season. And he, he comes off and he, he just slips straight back into to where he was playing, how he was playing before he picked up the injury. Of course, of course. Um, I mean, he, he played more left, I think, uh, up top left. Um, but yes, yes, he did. And I think we do need him. And I, I would play him straight away. Um, because, as you say, he's a key part. Uh, interesting uh, if he does come in, because it might mean that uh, if he does come in for long stuff, it might mean that um, uh, Bruno's got to sit more. Uh, because the three would then be him and Willick and Willick goes box to box he's, he's no good sitting with Willick uh, so it might change Bruno's uh, role but then again as we've mentioned he doesn't tend to change a winning side I can see him changing uh, Burn because he might be a bit vulnerable to, to my United attackers whether it be Anthony or whoever's going to play up there um, but in terms of that midfield even though Longstaff didn't have his best of games, I think he did improve in the second half and, you know, there might not necessarily be as big a case to change that the, the, the midfield three and because Bruno played so well, like you say, do you want to make a change which then sees him drop back? I just wonder, John, if he doesn't change it and say they have a, have a storm and we hope they do and then, you know, Everton and so on and Joe Linton's not in the team as often starting, is there a worry that what he's built over the last year kind of starts to because it, it starts to disappear in a way and he starts to lose a bit of confidence and slip back into the Joe Linton of old or is he built up enough he's a totally changed character there's no fear of, fear of that I don't think there's any fear of that uh, because I think that whoever doesn't start at Manchester United big hitters will be taken to one side and told by the way you start against Everton Unless injuries muddy the ground, but, but but as a whole, does he have to? Does he have to start more games than he doesn't to no, continue that? The minute he gets back in the side, he'll stay in the side. I mean, it might be delayed. Isn't that, isn't that a probably. strange thing to say when you when you just take a moment back and you think about Joe Linton? Oh, totally. But it would be a stupid thing to say if he's playing centre forward. <laughs> but he's not. He's playing midfield, and he's a very very good midfielder. And it would be outrageous if he was a centre forward. Um, because, I mean, he can get by as a centre-forward in the way that uh, Wood did. But the trouble is, he was our £40 million club record buy at the time playing centre-forward. Do you think Sean Longstaff can ever rediscover that form, that one saw him link to, to Manchester United? Oh, that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one because he was linked to this team, as you say, and he was, he was compared with Michael Carrick in, the, in the, the way he holds himself on the park and passes. Um, I think he is a very important part of the Newcastle squad, very important, but as part of the squad rather than automatically part of the team. You name people that are automatic in the team and you would go Pope, you would go Trippier, you would go... You would probably go Shaw. Yeah. Um, you Botman or Byrne, that's still to be decided long-term, so Botman's got work to do, always in the box seat. You would go Joe Linton and Bruno. You would go Wilson in San Maximum when he's fit. The knock-on, they're going to be in the team players. Are you on? Uh, 
He's still got to do it. Keep him the way he is now. We're, get, we're getting... Al Mirren's terrific. And um, I uh, am so pleased for the lad because he, he's just a lovely, lovely kid. But let's go... It's only about four matches away. We're saying, for goodness sake, is there going to be any end product with this guy? He is not automatic yet. For goodness sake, don't make him automatic because he might be the one that goes back to the old way of playing when you're talking about Joe Lennon if he was told he's automatic. Keep him. You're doing great, son, but keep going. It keep did. it like that. And he has got Fraser and uh, some maximum that hasn't wasn't in the side here. Uh, Anderson that can't play wide. There are people knocking on his door, so just let good lie alone. But let's elevate him to the top of Gray's monument yet. Well, Dan Burns there, isn't he, with his height? Uh, it's he's, does, he's there physically. <laughs> it does seem, though, one of his biggest fans who could uh, come in and, and share the, join the board of the Miguel Miron uh, fan club is Eddie Howe. He absolutely loves him. Of course. And what I've noticed about Miron, and I noticed it's on, on Saturday against Brentford, he just wants the ball all the time. He wants to be. He wants everything to be quick, and he... You know, he's he's obviously a confidence player, but it was just refreshing to see every time the ball went out, he wanted to restart really quickly because he just wants to he just wants to play football, and it's it's great to see the end product now coming a, into his game. A manager coming to a club would always be initially attracted to Almiron because he's a relentless, he's blisteringly quick, and he's relentless. He can run in eighty-five minutes as much as he can in the first five. He will work for you the whole game and you would think with those bases can I put anything else into his game and if I can he'll be a very good player so managers are always going to love Miggy and Eddie is a bit of a miracle worker I mean we were ready to throw Kraft out the club and he made him into looking into a decent player Joe Linton's the huge one obviously Miggy's another one do you think he came into Newcastle with an idea of you know, with a list of players where he thought, right, we can target Joe Linton, we can target Almiron, we can target Cher, and we can take them up a level. And I, and I don't just mean, because he would have come in and thought, we can take this team up as a whole a level, yeah. but individually looking at players who just hadn't hit the heights and he's gone and targeted them specifically and said, right, let's turn you into what you can really, really be. Oh, I, I'm sure because he's a big thinker. He had spent his time out. He knew Newcastle were in from him, so he's going to look at that. And that's what he would do in the first weeks of training at St James's Park. Would look at each one. He was living in a hotel, just go home and work on the books and write down this, that, and the other about players. Inevitably, in the build-up of a club, when you're looking to build it as far as Newcastle can go, and I'm talking about the finances of the owners, as far as it can go, there is a stepping stone where you've squeezed as much juice out of the orange as you can, and then that person's got to be replaced. If you're going to go on and play Champions League football and win domestic trophies and, and push for the top of the Premier League, you, you, there will be a moment where certain players, and whether you're talking about Kraft, whether you're talking about Shelby, whether, yes, you're talking about Almiron eventually, there's going to be a time where you've got every piece of juice out and you say, that's a quality player. He is a good, good Premier League player, but he's not a great Premier League player like Bruno. And then you go and you buy somebody to, to replace him. He, he can stay as a squad player or he can just be sold. 
But yes, stepping stones, stepping stones, you've got to be ruthless. You can't, and we've seen it first class at Newcastle, how how's taken people that we thought were looking like deadbeats and turning them into into good players. But you you can't take you know you can't put water into wine all the time, and all of a sudden you've got Messi on your hands and you've got uh, Ronaldo of old on your hands, and you can't take it that far. So let's look at that bat line then. Nick Pope obviously starts, Kieran Trippier. He didn't do so well in the game, by the way. I thought Nick Pope, I thought he was a bit um, apprehensive and his kicking is never great. There was a a couple of incidences where you go, oh, what's he doing? There was that one where where he rushes out the box and he he has to really get up high to head it and you're thinking, Mm. I mean, that is such a fine margin because... Don't know what he was doing. Uh, he recovered though. There was a one where the ball was going out for a goal kick, and he he helped it out into way, but then obviously it becomes a corner. Mm-mm. But I guess you can argue he was just making sure. And he did turn to Trippier and say, "Well, I need the call." Then you know, Trippier kind of told them where where to get off. But um, yeah, look, I thought I thought for what what happened during the international break, John. My initial fear of it following into the into the Newcastle game didn't ring true. Was it his best game? No, but was it was it one was it so bad we we will remember it? No, he just no, wanted just one an average won, performance. Won. But when you're looking at it, but he had to put off a couple of good saves though as well. well. Yeah, but that's he's good at that. He, he is a shot stopper. Um, but any goal you can pick holes in any goalkeeper because there's he's the last line of defence. He makes a mistake, the ball's in the net. So you, you every mistake. Any goalkeeper make is is emphasised so much, uh, and it's tough. Slightly beneath what's been a hugely high standard this season, as was uh, Byrne, as was Longstaff, as was Wilson mm. on the day. And but, still scored five and got three points. <laughs> yes, so uh, you know uh, th- that's team. lovely. And I'm sure the Brentford uh, keeper would much rather. Uh, be sitting here today oh dear, talking oh dear, about having yes. a performance like Nick Pope rather oh dear, than the other oh way dear, around. Yeah. So um, he was our best attacker um, at times. Mm. Um, so Nick Pope starts. Kieran Trippier. I'm sure if you've been on Chronicle Live or Chronicle, you've seen the piece I wrote about Kieran Trippier. But just basically a love letter to him. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I did actually I get your views on this. I did write in that piece that if I was Newcastle, John, I'd be looking to get him a new deal and get in a close if he wants it where he joins the coaching staff once he retires. And you hope that is 18 months, two years down the line. You do. But I would be making inroads now, testing the water and saying, well, when, you, when you're ready, Kieran, do you want to come and join this academy setup? Do you want to come and join the first team? Because I think he would be fantastic. His attitude's wonderful as well. His enthusiasm, his dedication. We've got to remember, this is a guy, when he was on crutches last season, still wanted to go to away games to, to be part I mean, most players, once on crutches, they just want to sit at home and, and you don't blame them for that. They say, oh, why, why do I want to go all the way to London on the flipping crutches to watch a football match? I'll stay at home and uh, watch it on the telly. He wanted to be there, wanted to be part because Newcastle were in trouble and they were building to stay up and they did still. His attitude's magnificent. And he is the true captain of the side now uh, because he's in the side all the time. Could you see him becoming a, a coach, a manager in the future? Oh, yes, I, without a shadow of doubt. But I hope it's a long time in the future because I want to get a few more years out of it. Definitely. Him, yeah. But it's interesting because it, it's thought that this new extension for Callum Wilson also includes some sort of coaching role. So they're clearly looking at it. Uh, we're going to have more coaches and players if we're not careful. I tell you what, though, if you're looking for a striker coach, you know, 
Is there anyone better than Callum Wilson when he hangs up his boots? Well, well Malcolm McDonald's always been a pusher of the fact that if you have a goalkeeper coach, you should have a striker coach, and lots of clubs don't. In fact, most clubs don't. Mm. Newcastle United don't. Most clubs don't have a striker coach. In fact, I think there's about three or four. Uh, every club's got a goalkeeper coach. It's a specialised position as much as the goalkeeper's a specialised position. And, and I think there is... But what do you make of that, though, the fact that, you, that this reported extension deal does include that, that they are looking towards the future, in, you know, taking the... Yeah, the, the, the I, I mean, I don't now. know whether it's going to be written into the contract or whether it's just going to be verbal chatting, and you know, because the situation can change by the time you retire... You've got a different manager here. You don't get on with a new manager. Do you want to be a coach under him? There's all sorts of complications. But increasing the possibility... I mean, you can't go round and say... Give, give it to everybody. To Wilson and to Trippier and <coughs> to Shelby. Do you want to teach midfielders how to hit 60-odd passes? So be a coach. And uh, we're going to have more coaches than... Uh, United Bus Services, but uh, there you go. But yes, I, I do take your point, and yes, I do think Trippier can make a manager eventually. And Keir and Trippier celebrated that 5-1 win with a, a trip to Paris. How the other half live? Well, yes, it's uh, rather wonderful. I mean, I've been, I'm not part of the other half, but I have been to Paris, and it's a lovely city for you to go to. Well done, Kevin. Um, what we're going to do now is look at that partnership uh, between Cher and... Botman, is that the partnership you think that is probably going to be the one for yeah, the rest of the season? I do, uh, I do. Um, Cher's going to get in because he, he doesn't want to play two left-footed centre-halves. I don't. That doesn't mean you can't on one occasion. Like on an occasion, you can play Burn left-back, but you don't want to play him there all the time. You could play Botman and Burn, but not ideal, and he won't. For the sake of balance. And he's a big Shaw fan. There's another one. When we talked about how he's got something out of players we thought were finished, Shaw is one of them. He's loved Shaw. He's seen something in Shaw. He's seen his ability on the ball for stepping out from the back. And he's playing them regularly. Uh, so it is going to be long term, not necessarily mid term, is it Botman or is it Byrne? And I think it'll be Botman because overall, as an athlete and the ability to be comfortable and play, uh, Botman has got the edge. Mm. And also, of course, he costs more and he's younger. Mm. So target, share, Botman. Yes. Let's say Talk, target. Uh, sorry, Trippier, yeah, share, Botman, and let's say target for left back. Yeah. Uh, cross the middle. Bruno starts. Yeah. What are we saying then? Because we said, Eddie, I don't like to change a winning side. Well, what we're saying is, all I'm saying is what I would do. I can't yeah. tell you what Eddie would do, but I would go, I would go Bruno, Joe Linton and Willick. Interesting, okay. That means Bruno would probably have to, to drop Sigma. back. But I, I, can, I can see At that. At Man United, that's okay. Yeah, and then... On the wings, I I will go for I'll meet you on, and I will keep Murphy actually on on, on the I other side. I think that that will happen, and I think um, I'd be. I mean, there would be no comparison on a day when they're both on the blob. There would be no comparison. Maxi would stroll in ahead of Murphy, uh, but he's not on blob. He's been out for absolute weeks. Mm. I think he'll let him come off the bench for the last twenty minutes. I don't think it, they'll just keep him and say if we need him, we can pop him on. Whether they need him or not, I think he'll get 20 minutes because that's essential. 
It's no good him sitting 90 minutes on the bench. You may as well leave him at St. James's Park. He needs to start playing again. He will get on and then start against Everton. Mm. And then, obviously, Wilson up top. Yeah. And that, I think, is a, is a team that can go to Old Trafford and, and, and definitely give Manchester yeah. United a we, game. We go without fear. There's absolutely no question about that. Why should we fear? Um because we've lost one out of nine. It was in the 98th minute. I know it doesn't matter whether the goal's the first minute or the 98th minute. You're still lost. But for a long period of that game at it, 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 uh, Liverpool, they were absolutely frustrated. And it was a very, very unfortunate defeat. I'm not underestimating Manchester United. Manchester United are Manchester United. And if we on blob... They can capable of taking us apart despite what they like. But I prefer to cling on to the the um, the life belt which says that we drew 3-3 with Manchester City with Haaland in the side and they lost 6-3 to, to Manchester City with Haaland getting a hat-trick. So why should we be worried about Manchester United. Newcastle, Newcastle are dangerous. Newcastle oh. are a dangerous side and they can go to Old Trafford and they can win. They can. Um, win or draw. Um, yes, without a shadow of doubt. And I don't think we will go with apprehension. Neither should it, should we. I mean, one of the things I find interesting as well is that a lot of outsiders, we call them neutrals, that aren't with either of the two Uniteds, look upon us and say, it's the, oh, it's the, the rich little spoiled boys playing each other, uh, us and them. We're supposed to be the richest club in the world, uh, this tag, which is a, quite a misnomer. Um, the difference is massive. The difference, Andrew, is massive. Our ceiling for signing, I mean, it might not be massive in three years. I'm talking about financial clout in the transfer market here. That's all I'm talking about. I mean... Our ceiling was 40 million for a player until we went and got Isaac for 60. That was our ceiling. I looked before I come here at the Manchester United squad, and nine of their current squad cost above 50 million individually. Th- those nine cost 569 million pounds between them. And did they get value for money? Just thrown up a few of the names. Anthony, 85.5 million. 85.5 million. It's three and three games, yes, but 85.5. Harry Maguire, 78.3 million. Is that value for money? Sancho can't get in the side at the moment. 76.5 million. 76.5 million. Fred, who plays like right said Fred, 53.1 million. Etc. And that doesn't include Ronaldo because he only cost 15 million because he was 36. But he costs 500,000 pounds a week in wages. So, you know, we aren't on. And by the way, they don't mind just splashing money about getting it wrong and then splashing it again because they spent 94 million on Pogba and then unloaded him and 76 million on Lukaku and unloaded him. Um, so we aren't in their ball game cash-wise. But I believe that under our new owners, we've got value for money in nine-tenths of the deals we've done. They definitely haven't got value for money, but they've got so much money that they can splash it about and say, 
doesn't matter mm. if, if you're irresponsible. Well, and by the way, it's worth saying before some listeners jump up on the bandwagon and say, well, why don't we do the same? Financial fair play comes into play. Manchester United have built up their portfolio over so many years of sponsorship deals and various other deals that they've got the greater turnover and therefore the greater ability to splash than we have because we were run down over under Ashley. We've got to build up our portfolio to allow us to do anything like what they've done. And I'll be honest, I would rather not do it like they've done. Oh, no, I would want to do it with more responsibility, but and I would. But if we're going to move on to the next level, then 60 million will not stay yeah. our yeah. biggest signing in three years' time. Yeah. Uh, no, they're, they're a terrific example of how not to do it. But what I'm trying to say is they're capable of yes, doing Yes, they've got the scope to do because it. Because of the financial fair play, we haven't got the scope because of... The Ashley shadow is still hanging over us in terms of we were run down so much as a club, we've got to build up the infrastructure again to, to be able to use financial fair play and do that. I do not want to do it their way. They, they are the greatest example of the misuse of money that's possible. It's just nice to be going into a game at Old Trafford against, you know, against Manchester United, knowing that the manager isn't going to talk up Manchester United as as previous managers have done, and and you know whatever we get, we get. You know, knowing that Eddie Howe is going to go there and really want to get a win, to see, you know, and and see that his Newcastle United side can match the best, um, and also just to be going down there without any fear, not you know thinking about Sunday, watching it on on Sky Sports or through the live blog on chroniclelive.uk or those who are lucky enough to be down there and actually going going down there and thinking, hey, we can actually get three points here. This is this is the impact that Newcastle, mm. that the takeover's had, that Eddie Howe's had, and what a difference 12 months has made. I mean, and, and it certainly hasn't been one of our happy hunting grounds and the times that I've been a hack covering Newcastle United... I can only recall winning at Manchester United twice. Once was way, way back in the old days when Supermac was playing for Newcastle in the 70s when we got knocked out of the cup by non-league Hereford one Saturday and went to Manchester United the next Saturday when they had um, Law, Best and Charlton and we won 2-0. And the other time I recall winning at Manchester United is when Kabai scored the winner. And we do not have a record at Old Trafford, but we don't travel in any sort of fear whatsoever. And the way we play um, and the togetherness we've got, and if we get in their face, they haven't got leaders. They've got individuals. They haven't got... We are a team full of leaders. Trippier's a leader. Uh, Bruno's a leader. Uh, Wilson's a leader. Not just the captain's armband, leaders. They're not stuffed with leaders. They're stuffed with brittle minds. Good quality footballers, but with brittle minds. And if you rattle their cages, and I don't mean dirtily, if you get in there, press high, etc. That's why Brentford let in those silly goals, because we pressed them high. If Miggy, Miggy was a tap-in, but if he hadn't gone down and closed the goalkeeper, he wouldn't have got the tap in. We are pressing high. And if we are aggressive within the law with them on Sunday afternoon, they will be very uncomfortable. And then 70,000 can be an asset if they're winning. 
it can be a flipping liability if you're starting to play dodgy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I, I, in fact, just just before I ask for the for the prediction, because we'll do that at the end. There are a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, just ask you guys to remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider, and leave us a rating and review. We've had some lovely ones in the last week. I just want to read this one out to John because I know it's it's a uh, it's close to uh, his heart really. Once I read it out, so um, let me let me read this review out from someone who's left the name as Guy Chi. Uh, the title says, Shivers Down My Spine. Uh, I was born in 1958. I lived just off Elswick Road, a mile from St. James's Park until I was nine years old. I remember the excitement when supporters marched along my street on match days. Listening to the podcast rekindles those feelings and sends shivers down my spine. The chemistry between John and Andrew is magic. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I love the way John is able to talk about the heritage of the club and relate it to the current situation. Um, he says the one person in my opinion who doesn't get enough credit for the positive culture and hope that we now have is Amanda Staveley what a lass <laughs> yeah the interesting thing I find about that is because he says you know off Elzig Road and um, heard the crowds going past I'd be one of those crowds that were going past as a little punter at the time because um, I lived in Benwell on Adelaide Terrace and I used to walk along Elzig Road uh, because we couldn't afford the bus I used to walk along Elswick Road, past the cemetery, down to the Big Lamp, down to St James's Park and stand in the Lees's End behind the goal and um, with my uncle Frank and uh, we were watching, he said 58 he was born, well I'd just gone through the absolute adulation of 51, uh, 52 and 55 on the black and white telly me auntie graces of us winning the cup and uh, i thought i was going to spend the rest of my life watching newcastle win pots like that and uh, domestically we haven't won one again since 55 but i was going down to st james's park exactly the roads he's talking about where he was listening to fans so perhaps when he was sucking on his dummy at a very young age i was one of the little squealers that was passing the house but uh, happy days memories of seem a long time ago but they are a long time ago. Uh, but if you think in terms of winning domestic trophies, it's the last time. And that's why I'm excited now at my age. Because that isn't going to be the last time in my life, because I'm refusing to die, of course, cause, uh, because we're going well. I was quite happy to die under Mike Ashley. Um, but I think we're, we are going to win something again. And I want to watch that for the joy of it and also say... And I saw the last one as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that will be some moment and fingers crossed it's not too far in the future. So thank you very much for that review. If you get a chance, leave us a review. We do like to, to read them out. And it's nice to see John able to uh, reminisce about his uh, his childhood there. Mm. Um, and again, we will get the score, uh, the result prediction rather for this weekend's game. Just briefly, John, I don't want to dwell too long on it, but just give us your view on the fact that Steve Bruce has been shown the door at West Brom. I take no glee in that because, as I've said many times, Steve Bruce, when he was playing for Manchester United, before that, when he was playing for Norwich, and after that, when he went to Birmingham, etc., was a very good friend of mine. Uh, I was desperate for him not to get the Newcastle United job because I felt that it wasn't his strength. He was a good player, but he he, he wasn't the greatest manager and by that stage his best days were behind him I didn't want him to get the job he got the job Mark Douglas who was with the Chronicle at the time asked me to write a piece 
about what I thought about the appointment and he expected me because he knew we were friends to say how wonderful it was and I said how apprehensive I was and um, Mark thought it was a very brave piece to write and it was because it cost me a friendship but if I'm asked for my professional opinion then I, I believe in honesty and my professional opinion was that this was a job too far from it would not work out and I'm very sad to say that it worked out exactly as I expected it would which meant we were well short, and remember he was operating with Ashley, um, we were well short, it was an awful time, uh, it was embarrassing at times, went to West Brom, and I felt exactly the same thing's going to happen, and when you listen to the quotes, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, uh, I'm not a quitter, I'll fight on, um, they were exactly the same quotes as came out at Newcastle. And I take no glee in what's happened to him because as a bloke, I liked him. As a manager, way, way short. And also as a manager now, way past his sell-by date. Um, and that's just a fact of life. Managers have overtaken. If you look at Steve Bruce as a manager, it's yesterday's manager. And if you look at Eddie Howe as a manager, he's today and tomorrow's manager. That's the difference. And that is not age, you know. Steve Bruce is only 61 and you get... Bobby Robson was a lot older than that when he was at Newcastle and was magical. Uh, no doubt uh, Alex Ferguson was when he won titles. Uh, there's no question. So uh, it's not age. It's attitude of mind. It's willing to uh, listen. It's being open-minded. But if you go around job after job after job and you're the manager all the time, and you've got your same coaches going with you, where's the different ideas coming in? Anyway, that was far too long. I was going to say, I said, I, said, I said brief. Well, sorry, that is brief for me. It's a passionate subject, Steve Bruce, and manager of Newcastle United. Um, how is Sunday going to go? Newcastle's how? trip to Manchester United, how is it going to go? Interesting. Um, I'll start. Newcastle are going to win. Right. Uh, the first thing I would say is Newcastle aren't going to lose. Uh, and that is not sitting on the fence because I often think you know you get three results a draw is not sitting on the fence when, if Newcastle got a draw at Liverpool it would have been thoroughly deserved and a wonderful result it wouldn't have been sitting on the fence I think it'll be a draw if pushed but I think we're quite 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 capable of winning without a shadow of doubt there's no doubt about that um, but I've just got a feeling that we might draw at Manchester United and then beat Everton um, but I don't think we'll lose, that's for certain. And we're quite, quite capable of winning. Mm. Now, I did say that as well, we were going to end, but I've got one final question. There was a survey running on chroniclelive.co.uk asking whether Bruno is the best midfielder Great question. Newcastle ever had. Now, yeah. there are uh, a number of selections, and I'm going to try and remember off the top of my head that it's, it's Rob Lee... It's, then it's Bruno, uh, Tony Green's included, Joe Harvey's included, uh, I think Johan Gabay's included, and I think maybe Gary Speed, to the mm. my knowledge. I should have brought it up, but I haven't. Um, but out of those names, is, is Bruno better than them, or is it a case of he, he will be in time? Great question, that. Um, he will be in time. It's where he is now. And it's always the comparisons, you know. My mind... Unfortunately, being much older than everybody else, I can name you a lot of, of better midfield players than some of those that aren't on the list, like Terry Hibbert, like Tommy Craig, uh, and, and going further back, 
then then we are on there. Um, Gascoigne. Now, Paul Gascoigne was the other one yeah, on the list. Yes. When you think of Gascoigne, the simple question I would ask anybody that was saying, "Is Bruno a better player than Paul Gascoigne?" First answer, no, not yet. Second answer, at Newcastle United, probably yes, because Paul Gazza was a young player at Newcastle United who was full of potential, full of tricks, full of a wonderful future, but played his greatest football elsewhere after leaving Newcastle United. So if you're talking about reputation, is he the greatest reputation, then he's not at Gascoigne's level yet. If you're talking about comparing Bruno at Newcastle to Gaza at Newcastle, he probably is. Yeah. So the rest of that list, so I was actually spot on. It's obviously Bruno, Gaza, Rob Lee, Joe Harvey, Goodbye, Tony Green, Gary Speed and David Batty. So just give us one. I mean, I assume at the moment you're not putting Bruno at the top of that list out of those names. Give me the names again. Gaza, Rob Lee, Harvey, Kabai, Green, Speed, Batty. The only reason it wouldn't be Tony Green is he played 20-odd games. Yes. But you can say that about Bruno at the moment. Uh, but hey, I tell you what, I would put him as near the top there now is is possible. And by the way, I don't know what Joe Harvey's doing there because he was a centre-half. Uh, he was a wing-half and wing-halves are known as midfield players. But he, he, bless Joe, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't pass hmm. water. Yeah. Um, but so he would be bottom of the list there because, but that's not his strength that's not what he was in the Newcastle United side for what I'll do is I'll put the link to that survey into the comments of the podcast and if you click on it you can uh, and by the way there, your... there's so many different yeah. sorts aren't there I mean Batty's a complete defensive Lee is more of an attacker and was originally a winger they, they, they do different type of midfield jobs but I tell you what there's nobody on that list that would take a head of Bruno on that list uh, Apart at, from Gaza, at the top of their, at the for the top of that list, at the top of their game though as well. You see that yeah, you know everyone was on of form. Both at the top of the game. Yeah. Um, Gaza, eventually, yes, Bruno's not at Gaza's like, but at Newcastle that was different. Well, there you have it. Click that link in the in the podcast description and share your view on whether Bruno Gomes is Newcastle's best ever midfielder. This has been the Everything Is Black and White podcast with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and John Gibson. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up with date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday and live coverage of Manchester United versus Newcastle United on Sunday through our dedicated live blog.